Good morning, church. Yeah, you can grab that. Isn't it good to be together? Man, I, uh, I'm seeing some people that I haven't seen in a while. And so, if this is your first time back in a little while, just really glad that you're here. For those of you that are joining online, uh, we just hope that in the coming weeks, you'll, uh, you'll be able to join us here as well as slowly we return to uh, a little bit more normalcy here. Kind of good to hear a plan, isn't it? And for us here in a, as a staff, we're starting to kind of get the wheels turning and, and uh, we're figuring, how are we going to get everyone back in here together again? We'll probably have to move these rows each week just two inches closer together, right? Because, you know, to go from this whole six-foot thing to like back shoulder to shoulder group hug, you know, there might be a few steps in between. And so, anyway, we'll just take the time that we need to take, but the goal is going to just to be, to be back together uh, physically and just to enjoy unhindered fellowship, and we're looking forward to that. Um, just a little bit of family business. We are a family as a church, and uh, some of you are uh, aware that yesterday here in this, in this space, um, there was a service, a funeral service in the memory of John Uransky. And uh, we should just be aware that uh, John was a dear brother of ours. And so it's good to all be together, but John is with Jesus. Now, and, and, if, uh, and if you knew John, you didn't have to know him long to, knew that, to know that he was all about um, loving God and loving others. And that guy had a huge heart. And he's going to be sorely missed, but we're just glad that after these years of Parkinson's, and I saw him a few months ago in, in Rosewood, and his, you know, his body and his mind racked with disease, and he's free from that, and enjoying the reward of his faith. But let's remember Doris, his wife, as uh, she's going to have to move forward without John. Remember to be praying for Doris and her family, and let's be a family to her, okay? And just consider how we can uh, just come alongside and um, bear her burdens. We don't get everybody a shout out on their birthday, but when you're like the pastor's wife, you probably get one. So I'd like to wish a happy birthday to my dear wife over here. And um, my sincere hope is that this public acknowledgement will curry enough favor to allow me to watch the Super Bowl tonight. but I guess we'll find out. God has a sense of humor. Super Bowl on your wife's birthday. That's a tough one. Love you. So I remember the day, and my wife probably remembers it well. It was maybe 17 years ago. We were newly married, living in Niverville. Didn't have much. I think she was a student. I had a job that hardly made any money. We hardly had any money, maybe a few dollars, more than $1,000. And got this call from a family member who wanted to share with me excitedly this great investment opportunity. Now, I didn't know anything about investing. I'd never done it before, but what they shared with me sounded awesome. Uh, they had been uh, given this like little secret of this great opportunity by a friend of theirs who had been investing in this company and had been reaping uh, just incredible returns from this investment. They'd shared it with my family member who had thrown in a, hand, a few thousand dollars and, and they wanted to share it with me as well just to get in on this great deal. And it did sound incredible, an incredible return, up to 2% a day. And uh, the name of this organization, as I recall, was PIPS. Uh, it was based in Malaysia. That maybe should have been the first hint. But uh, I took what little money I had, Eric and I. We threw it in there, $1,000. And boy, I was really excited because we were going to make a lot of money. And uh, every day, uh, I'd take a couple of minutes at work, and I would uh, go and I'd, I'd log on to my account there on this website, and I'd watch my money grow. And it grew so quickly. And each day, there was more there, and, and after a few weeks, it, it had, uh, that number on the screen continued to grow, and I was excited. I'll tell you in a few minutes what happened. Maybe you know where that's going. We're continuing this uh, morning in our series through the Gospel of Mark. It's going to take us right through Easter that we're calling Kingdom Come because the Gospel of Mark, and of course, a gospel just is a record of the life and the teachings of Jesus. And what Mark does in his gospel is he shows us how Jesus came to establish God's kingdom. 
And he shows us what does it look like? What is the nature, the characteristic of this kingdom that all of us are invited by God to be a part of? And so in these weeks together, we're looking at the characteristics of God's kingdom. What does it look like for us today as individuals and as a church to live out the reality of God's kingdom here in our lives? And so last week, if you were here, we talked about the fact that the kingdom is a family, that when God calls us to himself and we receive him as a father, we receive one another as brothers and sisters. God makes a kingdom people, which is to be and treat one another as if they were family. We are family. And we talked about that last week. This morning as we continue now in Mark chapter 4, Jesus is going to show us kind of what happens now in this kingdom. He doesn't want us to misunderstand and think that maybe, maybe the kingdom of God is all just about Jesus collecting for himself people the way that Rusty collects coins. You know, I like to weave this in there. Someone came up to me last week and said, I saw you going into Royal Bank with your coins. I said, you saw that, hey? How embarrassing. I was hoping this mask would kind of cover that up. Yeah, so you know, when I find a coin that I don't have or a special coin, like I got this book at home and I take this coin and I slide it into a little pouch where it can be protected under a piece of plastic so it can sit there. It doesn't get any worn. It doesn't change. It's protected. And every once in a while, I'll pull out the book and I'll I'll look and I'll admire. (laughs) And I'll I'll add to this book as as I collect these coins and they're protected there so they don't wear and and what Jesus is going to show us is the kingdom of God is not like that. It's not, just Jesus, it's not just God collecting for himself us and keeping us protected under a piece of plastic so that we don't change. He's going to show us that the kingdom of God is all about bringing change in our life. It is a kingdom of growth. And he, and he wants to show us this by, by using these three parables about growth. And he uses this kind of common imagery of a farmer who plants a seed and uh, produces a crop. And so, in Mark chapter 4, we have what's probably the, in the Gospel of Mark, this largest concentration of parables of Jesus. And we see this theme here of growth in Mark chapter 4. So, uh, we're going to look at a few of these parables here and see what Jesus is teaching us about growth in the kingdom of God. And so, that first parable which James read is one you probably know fairly well. It's called the parable of the sower, one of Jesus's most well-known parables. You know, maybe a better name for it is is not the parable of the sower. Maybe a better name would be the parable of the soils, because really it's a story about four different types of soils that respond differently to the Word of God and produce uh, a different outcome. And so in this parable, there are these four soils which represent four different types of people who each receive seed, which Jesus tells us refers to His Word given, the good news of the gospel, the Word, this, which reveals to us who God is and what His will is for us. Each of these four people's soils receives this same Word, but the four produce different outcomes. What's unique about this story is that, uh, unlike other stories, in this parable, Jesus is teaching the crowd and his disciples, he's teaching them about what happens to them when he's teaching them. He's kind of pulling back the veil about what is actually happening as he teaches them. And it's kind of like that movie Inception, right? Like there's a dream within a dream and there's all these layers. And so this, this kind of comes out a little bit more clearly in the Greek because there's some common words in this story, right? There's these soils is an important word. And then we have the word hear over and over again. Each one of these soils hears the word of God in this story. But if we go back to the beginning, which sets the scene, we find that Jesus is teaching a crowd. A crowd is gathered because word has gotten around that there's a guy who's doing incredible things, incredible miracles, casting out demons, healing people. Maybe he can do something for me. And so they're gathering to Jesus to hear and be taught. And there's so many of them. Jesus is on a boat just away from the, the shore. And it says, he got into that boat, went out into the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. Now that word shore really... In the Greek, the language in which this was written, 
the connection was a bit more clear because that word shore there is literally soil. Okay? It's the same word that he uses in the story over and over again. So what he says is, here's a crowd of people all on the soil, and his very first word to them is, listen. a <laughs> boy. Someone's listening. Give that guy a prize back there. Is that Brady? Yeah. Ah, Brady. a boy. It's the story about different soils that here, and here we have the crowd standing on the soil, and Jesus' first word to them is, listen, here. So you see what he's doing? I'm not going to tell you about what's happening to you when I teach you. And so in a sense, that's exactly what's happening now. This is really a story from Jesus about what's happening as you hear this story. And so in this room right now, I think it might be true that the various soils that Jesus will talk about might all be represented in the crowd that's in this room right now. Because I think what Jesus was saying to the crowd is even amongst you, you might all hear, but it might be received differently. Maybe that's happening right now. And so Jesus, he tells this story, a farmer who throws seed on different sorts of soil, right? Some, it says, um, some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes it away, takes the word that was sown in them. And I think what Jesus is saying there is, when you hear the word of God, the very next thing that happens, hearer, is a spiritual battle in your heart and in your mind. Like right now, as you are hearing the Word of God that is preached, whether you recognize it or not, there is going to be a spiritual battle that's going in your heart and mind for what it is that you're going to do with what you hear. And he said, some... The word's going to, that, that, that seed's going to be there, but, but the bird's going to come and pluck it away, and it's not even going to penetrate the soil. And he's saying, some of you, you're going to hear, but you won't really hear. It's going to go in one ear, and it's going to go out the other ear. It's not going to move you. It's not going to change you. You're going to be completely indifferent to the word. You're going to leave here. You're going to go, you know, for, for lunch, and you're going to go about your business and never think about it again, like it never happened. He says, there's other people. They're going to hear the word. And at once they're going to receive it with joy. They're going, to, they're going to be moved in their heart. They're going to recognize this is good news. God has done this for me. God offers this to me. Wow, this is good. I want this. I'm going to follow after Jesus. I will be a disciple. This is good. And he says, but then a time comes in life where there's trouble and maybe there's persecution and they come to realize there's actually a cost for following Jesus, that it's not always going to be good the way they define good. The way they define good is easy. And when the hardship comes and there's actually a cost to be paid to hear and obey this word, they'll stop. He said, there's, there's another sort of person, soil. They hear the word, but the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires of other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Right? This seed comes, and it's in soil, but there's other plants there that are all vying for the same you know, nutrients out of the soil, the same sun, the same water, right? And it chokes out, and it doesn't give right, the place and the space that's needed for the seed of God's Word to grow in their life. What Jesus is saying, some, you'll receive it, you'll hear, you'll bring it into your life, but you'll just bring it in alongside the other things. It won't be an exclusive voice in your life. It won't be the guiding principle of everything. And so it'll be there, but it won't grow. It won't actually produce fruit. It won't, it won't lead to a lot. But then there's another kind of soil. Jesus calls it the good soil. And this soil, when it hears the word, accepts it, and Jesus says, produces a crop uh, for some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Here, this kind of soil, this good soil, Jesus says, is a soil, is a sort of person that produces fruitfulness, produces growth, 
What is this fruit that Jesus is talking about, this crop? Maybe he's talking about the fruit of changed character. You know, like the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, right? Like that, that we are shaped and actually become different in our attitudes, in our character, in our values, in our priorities. We become different. We're shaped by the Word. There's this fruit of changed character. And that changed character actually brings with it more fruit because when you live with, you know, as a person who's loving and joyful and peaceful and self-controlled and kind and gentle, and when you live that way, living that sort of way produces other goodness, other fruit. It's like this compounding effect which I think is what Jesus is getting at in verse 25 when he says, whoever has been given more, or sorry, whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. You ever read that and went, is Jesus like the anti-Robin Hood? Like, you know, Robin, like, steal from the rich and give to those without? Like, is Jesus Prince John? Remember that story? I just with Pippa the other day, we were on Netflix, or no, Disney Plus, and uh, that was one of my favorite like, Disney movies as a kid. It was made in 1973. I didn't know how old it looked. Pippa, she did it for like five minutes, and then she's like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> Animation has changed. She doesn't quite keep the attention. I'm going to talk about attention. Right? Is Jesus like, what does he mean? I'm, those who have, I'm going to give more, and those who don't have, I'm going to take away what they have? or it will be taken away. Jesus is just talking about this principle. It's true spiritually. It's true just in life. Financially, it's true in agriculture. This idea of a compounding effect, right? If you have and you invest, it produces more. What you invest in produces more. And so he talks about this effect of the farmer, right? He sows a seed, and from that seed, maybe comes 30, 60, 100 times yield. Now, I did the math I wondered, okay, if a farmer gets 30 seeds from one and then he plants those 30 seeds and they get 30 more seeds, let's just be cautious, the low end of, of fruitfulness, 30, 30 seeds, um, how many will they have in 10 years? You plant one seed, it becomes 30, you do that 10 times, how many seeds do you have in 10 years that comes from one seed? Brady, do you have an answer? <laughs> any, any other kids or teenagers? What's your guess? How many seeds would you have in 10 years? No one's going to be brave enough. Lots. That's a cowardly answer. Okay, I'll give you the answer. I'll give you the answer. 846,949,229,880,166 seeds after 10 years. That's enough to give every human being on planet Earth right now 100,000 seeds. So Jesus is talking about this effect, right? When you hear and you receive and it produces goodness, right? That leads to more and more has this compounding effect. And, and maybe, maybe you know how this works the other way too with your, when you get that credit card statement every month, right? How am I going into more debt every month even though I pay some of it off? Because you're not paying off all the interest, are you? And you get, even though you pay, you get deeper and deeper for good or for bad. This is what Jesus is talking about, this compounding principle. Growth results in more growth, greater yield. He says, this is the way it is in the kingdom of God. So this, this, this fruit, maybe is its character, maybe this is the fruit that comes from lives lived to make an impact, right, for God, to, uh, to do meaningful uh, service that lasts for eternity. You know, the fruit of making a difference in the world to being used by God to build His kingdom. Maybe that's the fruit that He has in mind there as well. But what makes this soil good soil? It's kind of interesting. It's easy to miss here because all four of these soils hear the Word. It seems to be the same. They all hear, and yet the good soil has a different outcome. And yet they, don't, they all hear, but they don't all hear. Because, And if you go back into grammar, I don't want to get too in the weeds here, but you'll find that with the first three soils, the word here is past tense. 
they, they heard. It's kind of like, a, it's, it's, like a, it's, a, it's an event that happened in the past. It's like a momentary thing. But this word here for the soil, the, the good soil, it says they hear the word, literally hearing the word. It's a, it's, this, this is intentional. Every word of God in the Bible, like the Bible doesn't just give us big themes and ideas. Like God gave us every single word the way he wanted to communicate this profound truths. And so this, you know, this verb here, it's, it's, it's like a present participle. In other words, it represents something that's continual. It's present and it's ongoing. So the good soil listened in a different way. The others heard it, and that was that. But this soil is one that's continually putting themselves under the Word of God. I think it means these people are paying attention. There's some people that hear, but they don't really pay attention. But, but, but the good soul are those who come, and on a regular basis, they give their attention to God's Word. And after having done that, Jesus says, accept it. Now, the others didn't do that. They accept it. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that they just believe certain things to be true. It talks about, like, a receiving of that truth into our lives, not just about what we know, accumulating knowledge, but, but implementing it, obeying it in our lives, living it out. They heard and then they accepted. I read that um, a scholar of war history studies because they find it interesting, but a soldier studies war history because he wants to win battles. Not just to accumulate information, but because he wants to win battles. And this is what Jesus, good soil, they hear it and they receive it because they want to live it. They want to follow God and be fruitful. And so you'll have James, he says this in this little epistle near the end of the New Testament. James says, chapter 1, verse 22, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently, so that's this hearing, this giving of one's attention, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. They will be fruitful. Right? Those who look intently, they don't just hear and stop. They hear and do. God is speaking to us. The question is, God, God speaks to us all the time. God wants to speak to us all the time. The question is, do we listen? Do we truly listen? And when we do, what is it that we do with what we hear? Now, God speaks to us through His Word. What would it look like to pay attention to this? Being here is a great start. It, it, it might mean that continually, as a healthy habit, somehow making the time and the space in your life to, to come to this, to spend time in it, and not just to read it, to check off my, my I did devotions today, read the Bible today, great. Not religious activity, but, but in order to hear from God, God, I, I want to hear from you. I want you to speak in my life. What is it you want to say to me? There's that. That can be black and white in His Word. You know, maybe the same commands or promises He gives to all of us. And then sometimes God, through His Word or in other ways, you know, He may lay something upon our hearts, right? You, you may feel like God is I just feel, prompting me to do this, to try this, to be involved in that, to share that. To give that. What do you do when you feel like God is speaking to you to lead you? The good soil hears and accepts that, which is, I think, a way of saying responds with obedient faith. God here is showing us that His kingdom is a kingdom of growth. That's why He calls us into it, not to collect us in a little book. It's a kingdom of growth that comes through persevering faith as we give our attention to His voice and respond in courageous obedience. So, I mean, it would be appropriate to get to this point and to pause and to ask ourselves the question, well, who am I? Like, where am I in this? 
Because I'm, I love that you're here, but all those people were there with Jesus too. They were all standing on the soil. And I think what Jesus is saying is, in this crowd, like, you, could be, you could be any of these. Being here is great, but it's not enough just to hear. It would be appropriate for you to kind of sit and ask, like, Who, where am I? And maybe it's, it's your desire, maybe you are, and it's your desire to be that good soil, to be fruitful, to grow. But you might, you might look at that, oh man, that's to be fruitful, to produce pressure. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold, I don't know. I don't know about you, but you, you might read that and go, yeah, that, 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 I find that compelling, but... I, find that, I also find that kind of gives me anxiousness. Fearful that I might not be fruitful enough. And Jesus in His mercy, He says a little bit more. And so I just want to take our last few minutes with the second parable that Jesus gives us. Again, it's about a farmer. It's about growth in His kingdom. This is how He continues in chapter 4, verse 26. It says, Jesus also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground day and night. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. The kingdom of God is like this. He talks about growth. And as I was kind of meditating on those few verses, I felt like there are at least four principles of growth and fruitfulness that I think will be helpful and encouraging to all of us. So here's what I want us to see in those words. Jesus is saying, number one, is that growth requires patience. Growth requires patience. Imagine if the farmer, he plants the seed out in the field. If you're a gardener, you plant you know, your beans, and then you go out the next day, and what would you think if you didn't see anything? No beans? Well, what a waste of time. I'm going to rip that up. Right? A farmer wouldn't do that, right? A farmer needs to be patient. It's some, it takes time to see a return on investment. There is no quick, easy money. So yeah, pips. So I invested 2% a day. I have Gary Dick. Gary's like a retired financial advisor over here. He's just shaking his head. He's like, and you're my pastor? How could I trust anything you say? What did I say? If it sounds too good to be true, maybe it is. Uh, anyway, I was introduced to a pyramid scheme, right? So I... Uh, I went one day, I, I logged on just to see how my numbers had grown, and I couldn't log on. Well, the system must be down. Try later, the next day, the day after that, well, this is weird. And then I started to get concerned, and then I Googled, and it didn't take me long in Googling to find out that I had been taken for a ride, and I thought I was smart. Like, who falls for this sort of stuff? Pfft, right? Nigerian prince, come on. Right? But... <laughs> For me, it was like a lesson. You know, don't we want, don't we yearn for like an immediate return? Right? We invest and we want something right away. But what Jesus is showing us is that in the kingdom of God, a return, growth requires steadfastness, persistence, perseverance, patience. And that's always been hard, but especially for us, we live in an instant age, don't we? Like instant noodles. Your website doesn't come up within five seconds. The thing is spinning and you like almost throw it against the wall. Because we live in such an age of instant, microwave, everything. And Jesus says the kingdom of God is not like that. The growth comes, but it requires time, patience. There is no such thing as instantaneous results. So what we're not supposed to see in this little story here, when the, the farmer plants and then it says, you know, whether he gets up or not, like whether he sleeps in or does anything else, it doesn't really matter. The seed grows. It does what it's going to do. What Jesus, he's not commending to us like laziness, inactivity. 
What he's saying is, in the kingdom, you need to be patient when you follow God. The farmer has to do his part, and then he has to be patient. And I don't know about you, like sometimes you might wonder there's something in your life you're doing in obedience to God's word or his leading, and you might ask yourself, is this really doing anything? Is this leading to anything good, any change, any results? And maybe you don't see the results, and you might get discouraged. And, and you know, Paul addressed that at the end of the book of Galatians. They must have been going something like, like through that because they were weary in doing good. He says in Galatians 6, verse 7, he says, Don't be deceived. God can't be mocked, for a man will reap what he sows. In other words, don't think that you can get away from that. That principle, a man will reap what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Do not become weary in doing good. So I wonder, are you weary in doing any good right now? You just want to give up. Because maybe that doesn't seem to be a result. And I know God said, but... I think we live in a season of weariness. Which are related to COVID and how that's impacted relationships and how we have to continue to give, called to give grace. When maybe part of us just wants to like shout... Do not become weary in doing good for at the, which time? Five o'clock? Wednesday? March 15th? The proper time. What is the proper time? It's God's appointed time. At the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Do not grow weary in doing good. So, be encouraged, Christian. You may find yourself worry, weary in some area. Don't give up in being obedient to God's voice. Growth requires patience. Number two, growth happens in ways that we don't sometimes see or understand. It often happens in ways we don't see or understand. It's said here that the farmer, once he plants... It says, um, night and day, whether he gets sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. Like farmers know some things, but they don't know everything, especially back in those days. How does that happen? It's like, he doesn't know how. It's beyond his understanding. And then Jesus is saying, growth in the kingdom sometimes is beyond our understanding. That seed is the ground, and we can't see under the ground to see what's happening. Someone, I um, remember hearing tell the story that uh, they'd been asked by someone who thought church was just kind of a waste of time, uh, said, go to church, like, you listen to a sermon every week. How many of those sermons do you ever remember? You know, how many years have you been going to church? How many sermons do you really remember? Like, what would you say, like, maybe 80%? 85? <laughs> Is that low? Is that what those laughs mean? 90? Might get warm? Cold? 10%. Get out. Get out. Make a note, Daniel, we're taking away your comfy chair. That's probably true, though. Maybe, maybe a little optimistic. Um, huh? To be like, sometimes I'm, it, it's Thursday, I'm like, what did I preach last week? Go back to the notes. Oh, yeah, I preached on that. So this person answered their, the kind of the skepticism of their friend. Uh, yeah, to be honest, I don't remember a lot of sermons. But he said, you know, I don't remember a lot of the meals I've eaten in my life either. But I know that every single one of them, whether I remember them or not, nourished me. 
It made a difference whether I know it or not, whether I remember it or not. That went into my body, and my body did what the body does. It takes the nutrients, and it brings strength, and it brings life. We do not always understand or see the growth when it's happening, or it doesn't always look like we thought it might look. In fact, this next little parable in the series of three, in verse 30, Jesus says, again, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth, and yet when it's planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. He says, like, that little seed that you would have thought was so insignificant, so weak, so powerless, became something incredible. But you never would have known. He so that's the way the kingdom of God. This Messiah, he comes, born in a manger, a seemingly normal of God. That's the Messiah. That's the plan. Dying on a cross, like everyone else, those criminals, that's the plan. Little group of followers that are left, normal guys, fishermen. Jesus says, go be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And they're probably thinking, how do we do that? That's the plan. And I bet they probably started to strategize, okay, how do we do this? I mean, this is us, but look how big that, that mission is. And then in Acts chapter 8, right, there's this persecution that breaks out in the church, and these, these, this little band of Christians, they scatter. And, and wherever they go, all the little villages in Judea and Samaria, they scatter, they, they share the good news, and other people believe. And Philip comes and he meets an Ethiopian, a God-ordained encounter. There's a conversation. The Ethiopian man puts his faith in Jesus Christ, goes back to Ethiopia. The Ethiopian church is born. It's happening. But it's not happening like they planned, like they thought, like they would have chosen. Not according to their strategies, but God was working in ways they couldn't see or understand. And so, you know, sometimes we go through setbacks, we go through difficulties, and we wonder how good or growth can come from any of this. And I think what Jesus is showing us is that God is working in ways, like seeds in the ground, that we don't always see or understand. It doesn't always go according to our plan. But if we hear and if we accept, we will grow. There will be fruit. It will be good for us. So yeah, growth happens in ways we don't often see or understand. Thirdly, I think Jesus is showing us that growth is, growth is incremental. Growth is a process. Isn't that what he says here? He says that the seed sprouts and grows. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel on the, on the head. And as soon as it's ripe, it's, it's harvested. So he's talking about the stages of growth. It doesn't go from seed to like fully formed grain, harvested. It's a, growth is a process in the kingdom of God. Maybe you have one of those doorposts at your house, right, with the little markings on it, with a line, and then maybe like a date and a name and an age. You got one of those? We have one of those in our house where you got that line there, and then, and then next year the line is here, and then the next year the line is there, and you can kind of track that, and there's a series of lines, and sometimes there's different names beside those lines. I've got three daughters, and so maybe Pippa's down here, draw the line, Annika's up here, and, and, and I don't say to Pippa, what's wrong with you? You're here and your sister's here? Come on! Grow up! So you can get out of my house. So I can put it on a hot tub. Oh, baby, I've got the plan. I've got the plan. Jesus is saying growth is slow. Sometimes you don't even see it but it's happening. It's a process. So don't be discouraged, right? That you're here, not there. Or that you're here and someone else is there. That you're a stock and you don't have a head with kernels. I think this is what Jesus is getting at, even just a few chapters later. When we, later in our series, we're not going to touch on this, but it's really interesting. And if you've read the story, you've, you've just wondered if Jesus is just having like a throwing a hissy fit here. 
Mark 11, verse 12, it says that Jesus was leaving Bethany with his disciples and he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went out to see if that fig tree had any fruit. And when he reached it, he found nothing on it but leaves because it was not the season for figs. And then he said to that tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And he cursed it and it died. Why would you curse a tree for not having figs if it's not the season for figs? Do you have unrealistic expectations, God? And I think what we have to understand there, and maybe what people that knew fig trees would, would know, is that you know, the, this, the, the bud that becomes the fig, that fruit that grows, it comes out before the leaves come out. And so when he came in, and, and when he didn't, when it wasn't season for figs, what that means is it wasn't a season for harvesting figs. They weren't fully formed. And his problem with the tree isn't that it didn't have ripe fruit. It's that it didn't have anything growing on it. It had leaves, but it didn't have buds. It was a whole bunch of religious activity, the Pharisees, the temple, all the system, but it didn't have genuine growth. And so he doesn't condemn the tree because it doesn't have ripe, fully formed fruit. He, his problem is that it doesn't have signs of growth. It doesn't have growing fruit. What God is looking for, it's like, and this is encouraging, He's not looking for us to be perfect. He's not looking for fully grown, ripe fruit in our lives that we are as productive as we could possibly be. He's not so much interested in where you are right now. He's interested in where you're going. Are you growing I find that encouraging because sometimes we can be hard on ourselves. Sometimes we need to kind of give ourselves a kick in the butt, but sometimes, you know, we can, we can be afraid uh, that, that we fall short, you know, that we're imperfect. If I try that, I might fail. And you know what? God's okay with that. His problem is not if we try and fail. It's if we fail to try. Growth is a process. And it's a lifelong process. Lastly, fourthly, these parables show us that growth is God's work in us. Now it says that the farmer, he planted, and then he didn't do anything else and it just grew, right? All by itself. All by itself, the soil produces grain. Well, what Jesus isn't actually saying that it grows all by itself. What he's saying is it doesn't grow ultimately because the growth is under the control of the farmer. There are things that are outside of the farmer's ability to control. In fact, later, I think in the book of, of uh, Corinthians, it said some plant, some water, some harvest, but it's God who produces the yield. It's God who makes things grow. And this is what Jesus is saying here. It's not ultimately the farmer that produces it's God that produces. It's God that causes growth. He's saying you need to remember your place in the kingdom. Your place is to plant. God will produce. Your place is to plant. Which if we go back to that parable of, of the soils is to put ourselves under to be attentive to God's word, to hear his voice, and then to accept that. And to plant in obedience because God produces the growth. That's what Paul would say, right, in Philippians 2 when he says, Christians, work out your salvation for it is God who is working in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. Work out your salvation for it is God who is working in you. Do what you can do, plant and trust that God in you and around you is at work growing His kingdom in and through you. A verse that I find so encouraging is Philippians 1.6. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. I love that. He who began a good work in you, right? How did you enter the kingdom? It wasn't your work. God didn't look at you and said, you're good enough. No, you weren't good enough. Jesus came and he died on the cross for your sins 
to pay your debt, to make a way for you to just receive the forgiveness and grace of God and to receive the gift of eternal life, to receive His kingdom through faith in what God had done. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. In other words, you grow the way you were born. You born by God's work and you will grow by God's power, by His work. You, you were saved by faith, now walk by faith and plant and trust God to produce in your life, right? The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. It ain't the fruit of Rusty. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. The fruit of the Spirit, what God works in us. When we hear, when we are attentive to His voice and when we accept and in faith obey. Remember our place, it's to plant. And if we plant in faith, God will bring about growth. He will bring about fruitfulness in our lives. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear, Jesus says. He said it to them, he says it to us too. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. So a few questions I want to um, leave you with. They'll be up on the screen there, questions that um, I'll invite you to pray about in a moment, and you can bring home and maybe ponder and discuss and, and uh, pray over as you talk to God. This is the first question. Are you paying attention to God's Word in your life? Like, I know you're here, that's good. But would you say you're someone that's actively, attentively trying to listen to God? What would it look like for you in your life to listen to God, to give Him your attention, to hear? And then what are you doing with that? That second question, how is God's Word leading you into growth in your life, spiritual growth? How is it changing you? How is God using you around you, in your church, in your, in your community? How is God's Word leading you into growth? Because I, I know that God wants, God is speaking to you. God wants to speak to you through His Word and through His Spirit who lives within all who follow His Son, Jesus. God speaks. In hearing that, um, I, I Maybe that's the question. What is God speaking to you? In this process of growth, again, it's not just about where you are now. God's more interested in where you're going. Where does God, where's God calling you to go? How is He calling you to grow? And, and if you have a tough time answering that question, maybe... Maybe you need to spend more time being listening. And then in listening and hearing God's voice, having the courage to obey in faith, for it is God who brings the growth. Can I invite you into a moment of prayer right now, if you want to bow your head? And I just want to give you an opportunity to talk with God and maybe just lay that question before Him. Or maybe invite Him to speak to you. Maybe you want to say those very words, God, I want to be the sort of person that is paying attention to you. I want you to have my ears. Speak to me, God. Maybe just invite him to speak and just ask him to, to give you the ability to hear. Maybe you want to ask God, God, how is it that you're wanting me to grow? What is it that you want from me and for me, God?
Maybe you want to ask God for the faith in hearing that to obey, to trust Him in that. Father, we thank you that through your son Jesus, you have made a way for us to come into relationship with you, to call you Father, to be a part of your family, to be a part of your kingdom, Lord, a kingdom that you are growing in this world, you are growing around us, that you want to grow in us and through us. God, would you just give us um, the ability Lord, to give you our ears. We want to be good soil. Or we don't want to just be those that receive it with joy, but then it just peters out. We, want to, we don't want to be those that leave here and they just don't think of it anymore. Or those that just get distracted by whatever, possessions, recreation, anything else, Lord. But we want to hear your voice. We want to know what you want for us. So speak to us individually and as families and as a church, God. And in hearing your voice, um, would you just give us the faith to respond, to receive that, accept that, to live that out, just trusting that as, as, as we obey your voice, um, that you will be at work in our lives. You will bring about your good purposes. It'll be good for us. It'll be good for those around us. It'll be good for your kingdom and the glory of your name. And even if we don't see that right away, God, will you just give us a patient, steadfast spirit to keep going, to keep following you, to not grow weary in doing good. For at your appointed time, we will reap that harvest. We trust in you, God. In your son's name we pray.